0: Yes, coming in hot with episode 39 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who's been working with our tech team all week, Jobber. How no are you, mate?
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, spent the week in China. So um, it's been really good with the guys. Had a bit of problems last week. I'm going to I'm gonna blame Optus. Um, I don't think people are blaming their internet providers enough lately. So I'm going to put the blame squarely on Optus.
0: Okay, so um, Ralph, Sinju and um, Simong were out there sorting it out for you. It's all yeah,
1: done. out in the field, yeah. It should be fixed. I sound crisp, um, back to my usual self. But look, let's get into it. What's the flavor this week?
0: Oh, flavor this week. Um, what do we got? we got some an opening question, which is nice that that's back. Um, weekly happenings, a fair bit going on, um, including some witchcraft. We'll get to that. Premier League review, um, 10 games that we need to cover and then there's a um, another set of games that we need to preview as well. So then we're off to Transfer Corner and into Socials as well. So he's big show, you better crack in, mate.
1: All right. So your hero, Mesut Ozil, has said his goodbyes to Arsenal this week and looks to finally be leaving. What is his legacy for you in the English game and more as an Arsenal player?
0: Oh, I enjoyed his um, private jet and uh, Fenerbahce um, scarf, hat and jacket getting onto the plane um, when he was on his way to his medical. And in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, Mesut, I don't know. I wouldn't be that confident I could pass this medical <laughs> and play the game for 12 months. But um, anyway, there, there were some good images coming out of that. But I think it's just one of um, the flavor he leaves me with is a bit of just underwhelming and like what could have been so if you look at his potential and what he's delivered there's just huge gaps between that um so yeah i just don't think i can sort of get past that um i would have liked to have seen when it was starting to not work out for him at arsenal i would have liked to have seen him move but stay in england so we could see more of him but his wages and his price tag, he just essentially just priced himself out of the game to the point where he can't play for anyone because he's too expensive. So, yeah, probably just underwhelming and a little bit disappointed. What about you? But to be actually, I should cover the, um, the like flashes that we did get were um, rather impressive. Um, I remember one goal in the Champions League where he chopped back about five times um, and scored a lovely goal. And then he played so many goals that he scored. He like did that thing where he, Um, passes it into the ground and goes over the keeper. So they're probably the highlights. But, yeah, what what do you think?
1: Yeah, and, like, I suppose if he's in a team, the team has to sort of run through him or else he just becomes, like, completely redundant because defensively he's not very good. He's not a bloke who's going to play well in a system that requires a significant defensive effort. But um, I suppose for me it's a bit of uh, cloaks and daggers is how I'll remember Ozil because, like, he's so mercurially talented And then one day, Arsenal just decided he's not for us. Um, He was a big wage earner. Um, Like, they couldn't move him on. I don't know if he didn't want to move on because it was his wages or if he's like, I'll take a wage cut, but I want to be let go for free or whatever. Um, And then Arsenal just decided, no, we're not playing him. And I think he made some comments publicly about some of the Uyghur Muslims in China and that potentially cost Arsenal a bunch of money and that's Potentially going on in the background, but it makes you wonder whether or not, like he wanted to stay because he wanted these big wages, or if it was Arsenal sort of lagging the chain a bit. Because it's just so disappointing to see a player of his potential basically sit out a season at his age. Um, and obviously, he—I think he won an FA Cup, didn't he, with Arsenal?
0: Yeah, well, he, might, he probably won a couple, I think. Yeah, well, so well, like, it's,
1: it's not as though he had like he had an awful time there, but just the. The way that it ended is just so sad for a player of his potential. Um, and I wish they, I really wish they could have managed that better and just more promptly just to not have to have him sit out for a year basically. So sad day for Arsenal fans.
0: Yeah, he's one of those players, as you say, where you either got to be fully in to him and you play him um, and essentially all of your play goes through him and... Um, or completely off him. Like, he's rather polarizing in in that sense, yeah. um, don't, don't you think? Because, yeah, as you say, he doesn't really offer of, anything.
1: It's a dying breed of player. Yeah. Like, that mercurial number 10 type player that we grew up watching.
0: Lottery type the, yeah, player, yeah.
1: Those players don't really exist anymore.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's get into the weekly happenings, mate. All right. What's I I'm going to
1: be going. So, Rangers drew at Motherwell. So, that Scottish Premier League race is still on, cutting their lead to a mere 21 points. Jeez,
0: um, I, I have a soundbite um, from one of the earlier episodes that we ever did where you th- said that um, Rangers were, um, you know, they've, you've got Stevie G, they're, they're doing well, they've got some signings coming in, what's going to happen? And I said, the gap is too big. They'll take a step to close it this year, but they won't surpass Celtic. Hmm, How yeah, bloody wrong that is.
1: Don't find that soundbite. Um, no, I still think Celtic can reel them in. Um, it only, <laughs> only requires seven straight wins. Um, yeah, look they look home, Stevie G's done it, but we know what happens with Stevie G when he gets close to a title, so I don't know if he's going to slip on his way into the ground or something. Um, next one is, this one caught my eye, so the Zimbabwe national team coach, and I won't even try and pronounce his name at this stage, has accused Cameroon of witchcraft, one of the deadly sins, after a dead bat was found on the pitch following Cameroon's 1-0 win. What did you make of this? And is like you've seen a fair bit of witchcraft in your time. Do you think it's witchcraft or is it just a good result for the Cameroonians?
0: No, that's witchcraft. I know witchcraft when I see witchcraft, <laughs> and that's witchcraft. Um, a decapitated bat on the um, halfway line that's witchcraft every day of the week.
1: Yes. <laughs> so Zimbabwe are up in arms. I don't know if there'll be a result out of this one, but um, I'll keep you posted. So, other big news what a week it's been. Big Wayne Rooney retired from football this week to focus on his managerial career. That focus didn't do him too well. They lost one 0 to Rotherham. But how sad is it to see Waza finally retire? No, um, I don't
0: know if it's sad because we've got blessed with so many years. Like how many, how many time, like years did he play? Like he's had a very long career because he started so young and he's in his mid thirties now. Um, and he's retiring, so we got to see him a lot, and. I oh, have you been enjoying some of the reels of his goals this week, like a little montage of um, oh, I don't know take your pick whether that be he's dribb- dribbling around um people and, and blasting it past the keeper, or he's like he's got like <laughs> a thirty second clip of like halfway goals. Um, obviously that bike against Man City comes to mind. Um, his hat trick on debut in the Champions League, like yeah, it's, I've have been enjoying watching all these goals this year.
1: Yeah, it's, it's sad seeing the players that I grew up. Loving um, retiring, but yeah, like as you said, such a range. He's got free kicks. He's got these big volleys. Borough, Newcastle. He's got the bike against City. (laughs) I I I remember the assist for DC United when he first got over to America, and he slide tackles a player on halfway, and then hits like a six-yard switch to the back stick. He he could just do everything, Wayne Rooney, Um, and he had like the attitude and application to match.
0: Um, so, what is your favourite Wayne Rooney memory being a Man United fan?
1: Uh, the bike against Man City.
0: Yeah, can not go faster, can you? No, you can't. And, yeah, I mean, even though it come off his shin he didn't mean it, it's still a great goal.
1: <laughs> the hat trick on the Champions League debut is pretty good as well. Um, just because there's like, there a lot of hype attached to him. He was so young. He's splashing 30 mil and he comes in and scores a hat trick on Champions League debut.
0: When he went back to Everton, that hat trick goal that he scored from halfway um was nice as well. Like I know he's at the end of his career at that point, but um yeah, I think it was the keeper come out and headed it and it just skidded back to him, he just hit this like sort of half volley bouncing thing back to him. It was just, you know, laser-like from about 60 yards out. It was unbelievable. Yeah.
1: So then um, big news for Chelsea. So they also had a long-serving player leave. Um, so Lucas Piazon left the club this week. He's been at Chelsea for 10 years, longest-serving player. Um, he turns 27 this week. He's been sent out on loan, I think, about 13 times. Um, and he's been he's made just three senior appearances. Have you ever seen Lucas Piazon play?
0: Um, I don't think I've ever seen him play. I've seen him on FIFA and stuff like that, but no, I've never seen him play. But, I mean, for him to stay there that long um, and not deliver much to the first team um, and to sort of slide under Abramovich's um, radar, he must be hiding in the laundry basket somewhere.
1: He's hiding in other clubs. <laughs> he's he's the king of the loans. I don't think I've ever seen a player loaned out as much as him. But, um, no, look, it's sad to see him go. I'm sure Chelsea fans are devastated if they recognize him. But, look, let's get into it. So, we're going to go deep back into last week. So, Man City 1, Brighton 0. Um, what do you think of City against Brighton?
0: Uh, a bit clinical from City, wasn't it? They just seem to be – I don't know, back to their old self. I know we've got a couple of um, Chelsea games – oh, sorry, City games to, to cover. But, yeah, I just thought they were just just too clinical. Yeah. Um, Oh, not clinical. Probably professional is the word I want to use. Um, I did think that they missed a couple of chances that they probably should have taken to make that score um, a little bit higher. But, yeah, I just, I don't know, the, the gap between the two teams is just so huge. Don't do think?
1: Yeah. Yep. So, I feel fun in that one. So, that got them away 1-0. And then um, you had Arsenal, Crystal Palace, nil all. Um, I think we had... Arsenal predicted to lose this game on my side. Um, Palace nil. Very disappointing display from Arsenal. What do you think?
0: Um. Yeah. Well, I probably just agree with that. Really, that Arsenal a little bit underwhelming, especially the little bump that they've had. Um. I mean, th- this this finished nil all. Um. I think Arsenal welcome back. Um. Partey back to to this game. He just come off the bench. Um. So they got a little glimpse of him, um, which was nice, but. Yeah, probably, especially with Palace's form at the moment and what they can do going forward. Um, yeah, I would have liked to see Arsenal sort of continue their their form and their, their little run. But, yeah, drop points, um, especially coming off, off um, three wins in a row, not ideal um, at home as well. But I think the main thing for Arteta is that, um, yeah, he keeps picking up points um, and keeps moving, moving forward. A nice clean sheet for Arsenal, which is um, something that they can – Um, take out of this game, which is positive. But, yeah, probably should have got it done against Palace.
1: Yeah, I thought Palace had the better of the chances, to be honest. Um, Arsenal had a good strike from Hector Bellerin. That's the closest they went. They just didn't look like they had any ideas to break Palace down again, which is a bit of a trap that Arsenal have fallen into. But, um, yeah, very disappointing display from Arsenal. Very dull game as well. Um, So I think he's probably happy with that.
0: Yeah, or well, I think Roy would be happy with that. I think um, Arteta wouldn't be, but yeah, I think it, it moves them um, into the top ten, top half of the table, which is um, at least something considering I think they got as low as sixteenth um, um, earlier on this year.
1: Yeah, so not a great result for Arsenal, but Palace take a point. So then move into the weekend. So Wolves two, West Brom three. I believe I called this one as a West Brom result, and they did it. This this was. Action-packed, wasn't
0: it? Yeah. I, like, did you know that, um, what were they calling this, like the black country derby? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, I, don't I, don't
1: know. Get, I don't get involved in these sorts of derbies. They're, they're becoming too much for me. Oh, I couldn't,
0: I couldn't, um, couldn't keep up with all these derbies. But um, that one is new to me. I hadn't heard that before. But you said it was an eventful game. It was, it was an eventful game um, for Bolly.
1: I mean, he's involved yeah. in, there's five goals and
0: he's involved in every single one of them. So, the, so the when he gives away the pen, um, it's like he, he comes in from behind and it, it's like um, doesn't get the ball. It's definitely a foul and the debate is whether it's in or outside the penalty area. Yep. So, I think it ended up being inside. But then what I, one of my favorite, favorite shots was um they cut to him. The penalty's been given. The ball's on the spot. And they cut to him, and he's got the white paint on his face um, from from making the tackle from the um, edge of the box. Uh, so I, in my head, I was like, "Well, that just it means he's guilty, right? He's got a white stripe down the side of his face, so therefore his legs must be lower than that." So uh, yeah, pen for me. But then um, yeah, he made up for it with um, with his goal. So
1: yeah, you got you got him back. Um, so he provides the assist there, sort of for Fabio Silva too to equalise. Um from the corner. So set pieces were set pieces were the story of the day in this one. So the corner comes in, uh, a bit of a scramble, but Bolly gets onto it and finds Fabio Silva. Good to see Fabio Silva get off the mark, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean he's had a lot of chances and I think Wolves are sort of tolerating him at the moment rather than enjoying his football. Um he needs he needs more goals. But yeah, it's not nice little um chop um with his feet there rather fast. Good finish, good seam on the score sheet, um, but not the best defending in that situation.
1: No, and the defending was only to get worse. Another penalty to Wolves. Um, happy enough for the second one?
0: Yeah, I thought they were both pens,
1: yeah. Yeah, so well tucked away from Pereira. So we've got 2-2. Two, two. And then Sammy Jay seems to pop up when they need him um, as well. So he gets a goal, another set piece. So... West Brom three, Wolves two. Wolves had a lot of chances to win the game um, because West Brom will let them do that. But that's a massive three points for Big Sam, isn't it?
0: Huge three points for Big Sam. Um, Gets them in – I mean, they stay in 19th um, and they're on 11 points, um, five points from safety. What, What are you thinking at this stage? Can Big Sam do it?
1: Yeah, I think he can do it. I think he can keep him up.
0: And, and Wolves on a bit of a skid now, aren't they? They've, um, they
1: yeah, and they're not that far off the relegation spot. Well, 10 points, but like they're sliding.
0: Lost three of the last five. Yeah, I th- I th- they're just, um, ever since the injury to um, Jimenez, yeah, they've they've really struggled. Like I, I thought they were going to struggle um, after his injury, but to the extent they de- are struggling, um, I think is a bit of a shock for everyone. Did you think they were going to struggle this much?
1: Uh, no, nah, probably not this much, but then when you thought about it, like Fabio Silva's only eighteen. So it's a bit much to be asking him to lead the line or a Premier League team. He's gonna wax and wane with his form. I really think they need to go into the transfer market, but like I don't know how much certainty there is around when um Jimenez is gonna return. Yeah. So like oh, if in, in this way. Yeah. Yeah, but if you go in and then you're telling someone basically, Oh, you're in, but then once Raul gets back we don't change the team very much, so <laughs> like you've got to outplay him. Um, it's pretty tricky. But, yeah, I think they need to dip into the transfer market, to be honest. I don't know if they will.
0: Yeah, they need a striker.
1: Yep, we discussed that last right. week. Desperately. Yeah. All right, so West Ham 1, Burnley nil. Not much to talk about in this one except for Mikel Antonio's celebration.
0: <laughs> I've got that written down here too. Yeah, um, your boy, Antonio. He plays his scores,
1: mate. He's so good.
0: Yeah, he scored, um, finally got his body right, um bit heavy, um, but yeah, scored his goal and his celebration. So he scores, he runs over, gets off the edge of the pitch, lays down, backstroke.
1: Very yeah. impressive. So did you hear his little snip about um, why he did a dive celebration?
0: No, I don't think I've heard so this.
1: His alleged script was that he sees players like, uh, this is not a direct quote, but it's close. Um, he sees players like Fernandez, Sala, etc., diving around all over the gaff, and he just want to give him a tribute.
0: <laughs> Love that.
1: Love that. <laughs> That's risky. Calling out players of that ilk.
0: You know what's going to happen um, Manchester United are going to play them, and Bruno Fernandez is going to get a cheap pen and do that daft run up that he doesn't score.
1: Yeah, and then it will do the celebration. But Bruno can do that. He's that good. Um, yeah, but good win for West Ham. So that is their um, third clean sheet in a row for West Ham. So Moisey's doing a job there, and they're now up to seventh. Up to seventh.
0: I know. It's a bit shocking, isn't it? I, I didn't sort of realize they were that high in the table. I know it sort of jumps around every week, it seems, at the moment. But, yeah, um, West Ham doing rather well in seventh. That is Moise's first win against Burnley in five attempts. Um. so, yeah, doing rather well. Burnley still struggling and just sort of hovering above the uh, relegation zone. Um, Doshi's boys need to pick up the pace, I think.
1: Yeah, so four points ahead of Fulham. But, um, yeah, point there would have been nice. But moving on to the big upset of the week, I think. Brighton won Leeds nil. Bielsa's disciples are going to be hurting after this one.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, this is one for the hipsters, isn't it? It's real pumped and face for those hipster fans out there um, who think Bielsa is um, is everything. But yeah, they sort of carried their cup form where they got battered um, by Crawley three 0 into into the Prem. Uh, I just thought they were flat and uninspiring, um, which is a little bit. I was going to say unlike Leeds, but again, they just you just don't know what they're going to throw out. So I rolled the magic dice on this last week. Um, and predicted four two, but the magic dice got the winner, but not the correct score. So,
1: yeah. So, what I what was surprising for me was how little chances Leeds created, and like for Leeds, that's uncommon. They only had two shots on target, which is a bit weird for Leeds because we're so used to that possession turning into chances, which they miss, and then they get caught on the counter. Um, but they just—I don't know if they're tired or they're flat, or they just maybe the philosophy is wearing them down.
0: Oh, they've got to be tired. I think we saw this coming, the dip. We saw this coming um, sort of closer to Christmas, but it looks like they were fit enough to sustain that and do rather well over the Christmas period. But now, potentially, are they crashing now, um, a little bit later than, than what we thought. So, yeah, lost um, lost three of the last five, um, and then that cup defeat uh, just doesn't look good for for Leeds at the moment. But better news coming out of Brighton, Lamptey has signed a four-year deal with Brighton. So he's been doing rather well on the right, um, injured at the moment, but, yeah, he's been doing rather well on the right. So that would be good for Brighton. I mean, when a bigger team comes in and buys him, they'll get a nice fee. That's all that means. For I him.
1: wonder if Chelsea have got a buyback on him. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, and he's the type of, like, if he was a right winger, Frank Lampard would buy him tomorrow. But he's not. He plays in an just, defensive position, so Frank's just not interested.
0: Just what, Frank needs someone in that front third
1: yeah, just someone to you know, mix things up a little bit, which is a good segue into Fulham nil, Chelsea one. So the caveat to this one is Fulham had a man sent off just before half time, I believe. Anthony Robinson was yeah. sent off. Yeah, he was. Chelsea really got away with it here, didn't they?
0: It really annoyed me that they sort of snuck away with this. Oh, I've got down here that they squeezed past Fulham. Um, yeah,
1: squeezed uh, past ten man was- Fulham as well.
0: Yeah, squeeze past 10 men Fulham. Like with the red, I think it obviously turned the game and and Fulham was sort of looking at the – I think um, Scotty Parker mentioned this even at the end of the game where he was like, um, when you sort of get to 75 minutes and you're down to 10 men, you're just looking at the clock going, maybe we can run this down and pick out a point here and that's clearly what they were doing. But yeah, yeah. yeah, couldn't get it done. I think that they missed um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He couldn't play for Fulham because his parent club is Chelsea. Um, good to see Olivia, Um Giroud back. Um, just the result Frank needed to sort of relieve the pressure a little bit. But, I mean, in terms of performance, that wasn't great and they need to... Need to step that up. I don't think Abramovich or the Chelsea fans are going to accept that sort of moving forward. But yeah, just the result they need. But let's go to the red card. Red card for you. Oh, I've I've got red card.
1: Yeah, I, I got no problem with the red card. Just a silly challenge. You don't need that um, against Chelsea. Like and in the first half too. Like it's just. Very silly. No complaints at all with the red card, which is unusual for me. Um, but the other the other big talking point in this one, so Mason Mount gets his goal. Chelsea fairly dominant. Um, I think Mount hit the crossbar as well in the first half. But then Timo Werner, chance on the break. He's a man absolutely brimming with confidence, isn't he?
0: Timo, <laughs> jeez. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that was a oh. shocking miss. I mean there's a really nice um we'll get to this later. But there's a really nice comparison where someone says, I'd have to tell my kids one day that Ndombele scored from here and Werner missed from here. Yeah. Jeez, oh, he's he is a man shorn of confidence, isn't he?
0: Oh, he's just struggling. And even Frank tried to pick him up at the end of the game. Frank's just like all great shockers go through barren spells. Um I'm sure he'll play his way out of this. Um it'll be fine. It'll be um, he'll, get, he'll get his goal and he's, he'll move on but I was like I just can't see it Frank unless unless you, get, even if you get a pen would you trust him with a pen at the moment no. like it's nil-nil 85th minute um, you know he needs a goal do you say hey Werner we know you need the goal you go and take this pen you just wouldn't be confident at all
1: no no you'd be like don't I'm worried what you'll do with that penalty you'll be infectious amongst the rest of the group um, he's <laughs> he's struggling but I'm, I'm sure that's Frank's problem now but Chelsea get Three points they desperately needed, um, which I think the table's in flux right now, but I think they're sitting about eighth just by West Ham.
0: Yeah, eighth at the moment. But I think um, Fulham were doing rather well. I think they had four draws going into this game. Um, So just sort of picking up points as as they go, which is potentially all they'll need to do, really, if they they keep picking up points at, at that pace. I think they they might be okay to get above Burnley or Brighton um, or even Newcastle. But yeah, um, they stay in the relegation zone in, in 18th and I think out of that bottom three, they're probably the most likely to, to get out um, due to the, the rate that they're, they're picking up those, those points and draws more recently.
1: All right, so Leicester City 2, Southampton nil. We were split on this one, but your boys have got the points. Um, what do you think of Leicester's performance um, I thought I thought it was a
0: good performance by Leicester. I thought the game was a bit of an arm wrestle early on um, and both teams were sort of going back and forth to each other and you could sort of, um, like if someone told me that Southampton were going to go in and win the game, I'll, that would be understandable based on the, the first sort of um, 20 minutes. But then same thing as Leicester. I, I thought Leicester had some patches as well in that in that early phase where they could do some damage. So, yeah, I thought it was a bit of an arm wrestle early. I think the critical point was the first goal. So, slip ball from um, Tillemans into Madison and just tight angle just blasted into the roof of the net. So, I think that is just so critical because from then, the game completely changed. So, what what happened after that is um, Southampton sort of stepped up and and played a much higher line um, and pressed Leicester um, a little bit more. And so from there, obviously, they were trying to get that, that goal back and, and get a result. But all that did was just create huge, huge gaps for um, Leicester to exploit. And I think if there's one thing you don't want to give Leicester, it's, um, it's a high line and, and gaps behind because Harvey Barnes and Vardy were just running into so many good areas. Um, and same as Jose Perez as well when he come on. But Leicester just had so many chances to just end this game early earlier than what they did, really, and just missed a couple of chances. I think Harvey Barnes missed a couple of chances. Vardy missed a couple of chances. But they eventually got what they wanted, um, a little break ball. Again, Tilleman slipped in, um, slipped past to Harvey Barnes and, and a nice finish for 2-0. So, uh, yeah, a bit of an arm wrestle, and I was happy with the performance. What, yeah, I thought, I thought in the second
1: half it? there, Southampton, um, Southampton looked like they were going to equalize, but then in the back of your mind, you've always got, as teams get more and more on top of Leicester, Leicester are almost just as likely to score. Um, Look look for a period in the second half there where you're like, I think um, Stuart Armstrong hit the crossbar. Um, Shane Long was looking quite dangerous. Um, Diallo was sort of getting on the end of things. And Theo Walcott was, yeah, he was there, thereabouts. But they looked like they were getting on top. And then you were like, oh, no, here we go. Because Leicester had a couple of sort of half breaks. There was a couple of balls that didn't quite get on Vardy, And then eventually Harvey Barnes just got on the end of a break and game over.
0: Yeah, nice finish by Harvey. His finishing's really improved. So, um he scored a couple of goals um on his left foot in the last few games and then that was a nice finish on his right foot. Sort of opened his body up and, and guided into the corner. What did you think of Vardy? I he I just couldn't I just don't think he's 100% fit at the moment. He just looked a little bit off um and he was taken off towards the end and sort of grabbing at his hip.
1: Yeah, he doesn't look quite right. Um I don't know if he's injured or if it's just a bit of fatigue for the Christmas period. Cause he does play a pretty high intensity game. But yeah, he didn't. He didn't look quite at the races for me, um, and I'm not sure why. But you can't like you can't not play Vardy if he's even like sixty, seventy percent fit. Like HO is just not a substitute for Vardy.
0: Oh, so bad. Yeah, so bad. Leicester need a striker as well. I think they need a striker just for backup for Vardy. I, I know we spoke about Wolves and Man City um, needing one, but yeah, I think Leicester need one um, to help take the load off of Vardy but yeah after Leicester won that they sort of wedged themselves in between um and, and and Liverpool going into into their game so it was looking sort of rather tasty there at the top
1: yeah very much so so great result for Leicester because I think Southampton are like a real banana skin for these big clubs um because I think they're sort of they're in that Europa League type spot so it's a good win for Leicester um so, yeah, I, I
0: so I just I consider um, Southampton like a bit of a gatekeeper to that top top six. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to beat them to be able to crack into that that top six. Like yeah, sort of a gatekeeper top thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's about fair because I think I think they're definitely in the next tier where Wolves previously were or Everton around that sort of space where you have to win that game because they're the team that can hurt you. Um, they're not quite in the big few. So next one is a team who are very much not Sheffield United one tottenham three so again if you're chris wilder you're talking to the boys you say lads massive game this week we really need to shut up shop don't concede early just as you're sitting down on the bench serge Aurier rises like a salmon bam, me down one nil what do you think of this one yeah well,
0: interestingly that's exactly what i had written down here for the, this game as well Stop
1: conceding yeah. early boys <laughs> they God. do it all
0: the time they give themselves no chance do you know what I mean? Like I think – and they're, they're a team that, that like they won't blitz at any other teams. Like do you know what I mean? They don't have the five power to score three and, and get it done. So if they're going to win games and pick up points, the way they're going to do it is keep it tight, grind teams down and then pinch something late. Like that's essentially how they're going to get all of their points and any wins that they could possibly get this year. And then to go out and cop one in the – what was it? Fourth minute um, – yeah, just not really good enough. And then Harry Kane popped up in the 39th and it was 2-0 at half time. And you just thought, yeah, this this could go out to anything. Um but I thought they wrestled back rather well um inside the um second half, which I mean shows some character, but um yeah, they're just oh, just a sad team to watch at the moment. Um highlight of the game has to go to Sir uh to sorry Ndombele's goal.
1: Yeah, um, uh, Harry, Harry Kane's goal was nice. It was slick. It was a great Harry Kane finish. But how has Ndombele got the ball in from there?
0: Uh, it, I think Vardy scored one like that a couple of years back, maybe in the um, title winning season for, for Leicester. But yeah, what a finish. Um, took some technique. And I think there was some debate in, in the comms team about um, whether he did or didn't mean, mean that. But oh, he's meant that 100%. I, think,
1: I definitely think he meant it. Um, what a finish. So the ball comes in over the top and he's, he's going away from goal. He's got a Sheffield United player on his right and a Sheffield United player on his left. And he somehow gets his leg up to lob it over the keeper into the other side of the net. Like just outrageous finish. You couldn't, he couldn't do that again. Like if you said, okay, we'll do this in practice, he couldn't do that again. Like it, it was just ridiculous. You don't think? I
0: I, I think he's, he's shown a bit of technique there. I think he could re-perform that.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to have to ask him. I'll send him an email and see if he comes back. But very pleasing display for Spurs. So, David McGoldrick did score late on, but 3-1 win. Impressive performance. So, I thought I had a good look at this game, and I was impressed with the following players. And there's a good list of them. So, um, Hoiberg, again, just so good. Just keeps him ticking over. Reguilon was good going forward. And Dombele was the star of the show for this one. Bergvine and Kane. I was a little bit disappointed in... Um, I didn't think he was sort of firing as much as the other boys were this week.
0: Yeah, a bit off, but I mean, hes I'll allow him a dip in form considering what he has delivered more recently.
1: Yeah, he sets the standards high, but big three points there for Spurs. So Spurs um, keep the pressure on the top four currently in fifth, but um, Jose would be pretty happy with that. Sheffield United... Um, Potentially just a flash in the pan. Five points, six points behind second-last place West Brom and seven points behind Fulham. They've got that win, but they're still in a lot of trouble.
0: Yeah, they're going to struggle. But what do you think about Spurs? Do you think they can crack into that top four or not?
1: I think they're they're really doing all the right things, aren't they? But it's just so – it's fluctuating so much right now. The only team that's not fluctuating right now is City, but they've already had a big lull at the start of the year. So like you just yeah. you just don't know, and um, Liverpool obviously got the points against. Obviously got a point against United, but it's just moving around so much in that top bit. Yep. Yeah. All right. Are we right. going on to the big one? All right. So Liverpool nil, Manchester United nil. So this was at a very inconvenient time, but. Um, yeah, it, like yeah. you just have to make time for these sorts of games. What did you think? Liverpool happy with the point?
0: Oh, see, I was discussing with this with the mate. I think that, um, yeah, Liverpool would be more happy with the point. I think if you're Manchester United, if you were going to beat Liverpool and we'll make a statement and sort of emerge yourself as a genuine title contender because I think there's still some um, people out there who don't think they're the real deal. I think if you're going to do that, this was the game to do it. I mean, Liverpool were essentially on their knees in terms of um, – injuries and sort of who was available and the team that they put out there. Um, You've got to sort of the 60th minute and it's nil-nil and you've sort of worked out that they're not that great or not that intimidating and I think that you really could have gone on pushed harder and won the game. So, I think um, based on that, I think Liverpool would be more um, impressed with the point and I think if you're Manchester United, that if there's ever a chance to go and step on Liverpool's neck, that that was it and they, they just didn't do it. Um, I felt sort of both teams looked a little bit scared during the game of losing.
1: Yeah, I think that was that was the undertone of the whole game. I think that both teams were a little bit scared of losing. So Henderson and Fabinho started at centre-back for Liverpool. Obviously, that's not the ideal combination, but both of them held a good account of themselves. I thought Fabinho was probably the best player on the pitch, to be honest, um, over the, the course of the game. But Liverpool definitely had the better of the play. But I think towards the end there, Manchester United had the better of the chances. Um, there was a lot of block shots in the first half from Manchester United's defence, which like suggests that Liverpool were very much on top, but they just couldn't create that that clear chance to take the lead. Like, I don't think David De Gea had a great deal to do, um, but they definitely looked like they've always got that threat. Do you know what I mean? Like, you see you see the balls go into the box and you're like, oh, well, this could be the one. But it's just not quite happening for that front, th- front three, is it?
0: Yeah, that um, – I think I agree with you in terms of Manchester United had the – probably the bigger chances or um, bigger opportunities to, to go and win the game. I would have liked to have seen Greenwood being introduced a little bit earlier. Um, it was nice to see Shakiri get a start. Um, do enjoy Shakiri on on this pod. Um Yeah, I I agree with, um, I mean, Henderson and and Fabinho obviously doing a patch job at at centre-back. So, again, that was another opportunity for Man United to go ahead and and be braver um, and and go and win it. But, yeah, I mean, Pogba, was he a little bit quiet? Was um, Bruno, you know, a little bit quiet? Did he not really step up and...
1: So, I thought Pogba Pogba was... Average, but what Pogba was doing poorly was defending really poorly because I thought Andy Robertson looked the most likely threat. Like in the first half, um, Firmino should have laid off to Andy Robertson. They should have led going at halftime. Potentially, Robertson had a bit of ground to cover, but Harry Maguire was going to come across. But um, Firmino's got the the ball top of the box. Robertson sort of flying on the outside, and Firmino's opted to shoot or he did a trick or something, Um, and he could have laid off to Robertson. Pogba should have been tracking back more fervently there. And you could see every time Manchester United sort of set up the defensive structure, Pogba looked like the man that was letting them down, or he's a bit slow to react. But then he's he's so dangerous when he gets the ball with his passing. And in the second half, he started to see a lot of switches coming from him, which were causing Liverpool some problems. So he was all right, I thought. Martial was very poor, but for me, the best player for Manchester United was Luke Shaw, and the worst player for Manchester United was Bruno Fernandes by a distance.
0: Yeah, like with the with the Pogba thing, I think I touched on that on the last pod where I thought um, defensively that's where Liverpool will go. Whatever side he's on, that that's the side will go down because I think we'll get least resistance um, out of him and initially. So, yeah, I agree with that. Um, do you make of anything of this narrative about um, Fernandez not sort of turning up against some of the bigger teams? I saw a sat rolled out that the his performance against the top six or the big six or whatever. Um, has yielded no assists and only one goal, um, and that goal was a penalty in the game against Spurs, where they got battered. And so, yeah, a I, bit of flat track bullying there. I don't, I Neville. don't, think that's,
1: I refuse to take that narrative in at all. Actually, because like you pull that stat out, right? But you're talking about the six best teams in the country, where goals are notoriously hard to come by. Like if you look at the results in these games, they're like, like these games are games you don't want to lose, and Manchester United set up like that. Like the team is structured to not lose the game, they're not set up to win the game, and you're like, oh, the attacking midfielder doesn't have many assists. Of course, he doesn't. Goals are extremely hard to come by because they're set up to not not like they're set up not to concede. So it's okay. I don't I don't buy into that narrative at all um, because I think the goals are so much harder to come by in those games that, like, you're naturally going to see those statistics go down.
0: Yeah, okay, a bit, a bit defensive there, but um, I'll take that on board. And then <laughs> very defensive. On, I've, I've on seen that. On your point of um, Marcial, where you're like, oh, he didn't play well. But I think he never does play well. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that you look at it, you walk off at a game and go, gee, Marcial was great today unless he scored goals. So, yeah, appreciate um, he didn't play well. But I think all it would have taken is, um, you know, a ball to come across and And him to take one of those chances, I think he had a headed chance that um, was sort of a half chance that he could have taken. But all it takes is for him to score that and and he gets the winner and all of a sudden he's best on ground all of a sudden. So, yeah, yeah, I just don't – he's not not a top player, is he?
1: Yeah, no, he's not. He's either really good or he's just not in the game at all. Um, Yeah. So two other things I think is important in this game is one is Tiago Alicantara looked like – he just looked a class above, um, like absolutely majestic on the ball. Dictates really. Yeah, nice shot at the end there. But he he looks a class above, and he looked like very good. Um, I think Liverpool might have missed Henderson's running in the midfield there a little bit, but Thiago certainly looked good. And I think Manchester United spent some time this week explaining the offside rule to Marcus Rashford. Just going just a bit of a just going over it again. Just making sure he's a hundred percent clear in this brave new VAR world as to what offside means, because he was caught offside far too many times.
0: I think he's. I think he's too busy mashing the potatoes with the school kids, mate.
1: Oh, how dare you! The man's a hero. But Liverpool have failed to score in any of their last three Premier League matches. Now Manchester United's unbeaten in their last sixteen away matches, um, and Liverpool unbeaten in the last sixty-eight games at Anfield. So both sides take a point. I don't think both sides will be devastated with a point. I think if you said you'll take a point at the start of the game, they both would have taken it. So just stays the same up the top there. Manchester United stay top, but they will be replaced today by Leicester City. Liverpool stay second. Uh, Oh, no. Sorry, Man City jumped them. So Liverpool go to third, um, and they've got some work to do to catch up to Man City. Yeah. All right. So in saying that, Manchester City four, Crystal Palace nil. So City got a a, a smell of blood, and they really went for it, didn't they?
0: Ruthless from Stonesy, um, John well boy.
1: Stone's double.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. Um, great header. His first goal, um, yeah, lost his marker and and did really well. And then his second goal was sort of a ball was bouncing around the box and he blasted it with his left foot. Nice finish from Stonesie. Um City rather ruthless. Um, John Stone's form on point. Um, I think him and Diaz are probably the two best centre-backs in the prem at the moment in terms of combination, don't you think?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think they're playing so so well. And the protection from, like, I'd say they're the best two, but the critical thing for me is Fernandinho in front of them. That's what I think makes them the best two centre-backs in the country right now.
0: Yeah, I, like the scary thing about Manchester City is just the amount of goals and the flow that they're in um, plus the quality of goals that they're scoring at the moment. Like Raheem, um, his free kick was um, outrageous and, and Gundogan um, had a nice finish as well.
1: Yeah, no, they are looking they are looking very good. Um, I thought once I saw that Wilf Zaha wasn't on the team sheet, I was like, there's only one way this game is going to go and it's going to be... City absolutely batter him, and they did just that. So, absolutely ruthless from City. John Stones at the double. He can just do no wrong right now. But, um, yeah, tough tough one for Roy, but I don't think he'll let this one get to him. So, against Liverpool and Manchester City, Crystal Palace have conceded 11 goals in total. Yeah. Without boring.
0: Yeah. That's, that hurts. That's, <laughs> um, so, Man City favourites for you now or not? What do you think? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I said last I week I was on board. Yeah,
1: I think they've slipped into favouritism here while everyone else has been sort of falling around. And no one really believes Manchester United's up there.
0: No, they don't. No. <laughs> yeah, um, Roy was disappointed at the end. He thought that his team could have passed forward um, a little bit more. He wasn't real happy with the sideways passes. Well...
1: Mm, oh. That's, that's good, Roy. So they um, <laughs> went absolutely nowhere near it, so I don't think you should be too worried about that. So moving on to the next one. So Arsenal 3, Newcastle 0. Um, performance from Saka and a goal to top it off, but the big talking point of this one is Emerick, Pierre-Emerick Abamyang back in the goals, and you'd written him off.
0: I had written him off, um, mainly um, in terms of hairline. Um, oh. I think he's he'll be um, bald um, before the year's out. No, it was, I think if you're an Arsenal fan, that is very important that he is back scoring. Um, and I think I was chatting to an Arsenal, Arsenal fan, a bit of a plastic fan, um, yesterday and he was saying that, um, yeah, potentially Europa League is, is back on the table um, given their turn to form.
1: Yeah, so the it's I think it's such a big factor for them to have Thomas Partey back in the side. Like he just He's just so good. He Yesterday, he bossed the game against a fairly poor Newcastle midfield. But, like, Thomas Partey's passing and breakup play was just... Like, it was so much better than everyone else on the pitch. Um, and I was actually having a conversation with uh, a fan of Liverpool yesterday. And we both agreed that Granite Xhaka is not a bad footballer. But he's not the man you want, like, running your midfield. Like, if you want... Like, Granite Xhaka could go into any team. And you said, look, go win the ball back and go and like, just pass it to the good players, he'd be excellent. Like, I think he's really good at doing that. And if you stick a good player next to him like Partey, I think Shaka looks a lot better. But the performance that really caught my eye in this game was actually Smith-Rowe. Yeah. I, like, he, had, I thought he had some lovely touches in and around the box and he got a nice assist. But he's just – he works so hard to get on the end of – like, like create chances and get on passes. And I really enjoy watching him. I think he's going to develop into a great player for Arsenal.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I thought he did well. I think um, to to your point on on Partey, I think that um, he's perfect for this Arsenal team because he's like his style of football and what he does well is completely opposite to what the other players do well. So I think it, bringing him into the team and having him into the team and fit. Um, just compliments like um, ESR, um, Saka, like Lacazette, Abameyang everyone around him because, as I said, they're just completely opposite. Like what they do, um, just sort of compliment each other so they're a more well-rounded team when, when he's in, involved.
1: So good news for Arsenal fans there. A 3-0 win against Newcastle is not the end of all your problems, but they've now got five consecutive clean sheets in all competitions. Newcastle are without a win in seven. So I don't know if they're going to slip into some relegation trouble, but it's certainly possible. Um, But Arsenal now up to 10th. So you're right, they're in the top half of the table, Arsenal fans. Get excited.
0: Um, and what do you make of this um, narrative coming out of Newcastle, where all of a sudden people are on top of Brucey? So I'll tell you the two sides of the coin. The the first side is that they play trash football, they've lost a few games, and the fans aren't happy with Brucey. I suppose the other side of the coin is, um, well, you never had great football under Rafa either, and um, Brucey's got more points at this stage of the season than Rafa did in his two seasons. So yeah, what what side do you sort of lean on?
1: I just think I – don't, I don't think Bruce is doing a bad job. I think that's the football they have to play with the players they have. Like, bad news for Newcastle fans. You're just not that good. Like, the players aren't that good. And without without St. Maxima, they don't have any sort of X factor at all. Like, you've got a bunch of workmen. Like, like Callum Wilson can get on the end of something. They started with Andy Carroll yesterday. Like, you can't rely on Andy Carroll. Um, Joel Linton got a game too. I don't think he's very good. Um, like they just don't they don't have enough quality to play any other type of football. And I can't recall what game I was watching. It might have been Fulham where they tried to play like out from the back and it was just horrible to watch. Like they just yeah. they got so many chances in the space of like 10 minutes just trying to play out the back. And he's like, no, actually just lump it. Like I just think that's where they are. That's thats the top football they have to play. I don't think Bruce is doing a bad job. I think keeping them up is the goal. And that's yeah. all we should be focused on.
0: I think Bruce is doing a good job considering the tools he has. Yep.
1: Yeah. They need to, they need to be a bit smarter in the transfer market, but you can't do that with Mike actually like refusing to pay out for players. The one time they did do it, they ended up with Jolinton and that just hasn't worked out for anyone. Oh,
0: no. Um, all right, so that does it for the review. Let's move on to the preview. We've got a handful of games um, to to look at. So let's start with West Brom, West Ham. What do you feel here?
1: Yeah, so obviously I'm going to tip West Ham if Antonio is playing. I also think that he will score if he plays. Um, I think he's the best player that they have by far. Um, But yeah, I think West Ham will win this one. But West Brom showing some encouraging signs last week, obviously the win over Wolves. But I just think West Ham with Antonio up top are going to be too good for them. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think West Ham will be too good for them. Um, Like... Sam coming up against his old team, but I think um, yeah, West Ham will be too strong. I think they've just got um, some people who can hurt um, West Brom, whereas West Brom don't necessarily have that going the other way. So we'll see see where that goes. Um, but yeah, I'm um, I think West Ham. Yep.
1: All right. So All right. Leicester City versus Chelsea, Berner versus Vardy, Evans versus Thiago Silva. Who do you like?
0: Uh, I think let's still beat them here. I think um I think Chelsea are just struggling too much and something's not right there and I can't work out what it is yet. So It's
1: Frank, I'll tell you. It is <laughs> <laughs> it's Frank Lampard. Stop looking. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think I think Ndidi will have a big game and I think Madison will have a big game as well. So
1: Yeah. Um, Ndidi is just the rock that keeps them ticking over, isn't he?
0: He is, and we missed him early on in the season. So to have him back and have his, um, his skill set in our team's good. And Madison's such in good, good form at the moment. Um, he's picking up more goals and more assists, which is um, the goals is what he sort of had to ha- add to his game and he looks good.
1: Yep. Now, so Leicester City, I think, will get home fairly comfortably in that one. So moving on. So we've got Manchester City versus Aston Villa. The league favourites right now versus the league surprise packets. Who have you got in this one?
0: Absolute banker for Man City, this one. Um, Never been more sure of anything in my life. So Man City and Man City by a bit of a stretch too. I think they'll do a number on uh, Villa here. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I think Man City will win this one. I'll be interested to see if Pep takes the opportunity to rest any of the players. Um, I don't think they really need it. This is a catch-up game, isn't it, from COVID-19? Is that right?
0: Yeah, I believe so. So... um, yeah, so I think at the moment, um, Man City have played sort of two less games than, than some teams, so they've got a bit of um, catching up to do, yeah, which is sort up. of given their false position in the in the table as well. Like if, if they win, all their games are on top. So yeah. people are talking about them very differently. But I think just because they're behind in a couple of games, um, they've just stayed off the radar a little bit. But yeah, I think they'll do a number here on Villa.
1: Yeah, so right. Villa, Villa actually have only played fifteen games, which is the least in the competition. If Villa win all their games, they go top of the league.
0: They do not, do they?
1: They do, they do. So they are twenty six points, and they're four points behind. A lot of they're four points behind Leicester and are uh, four games behind Leicester and Chelsea. So if they win all those, they can go top of the league.
0: Yeah, they'll be up there. Bloody hell! This, even, what a even, season.
1: Even two wins would get them. Um, would get them up to fifth. So yeah. they're, they're doing quite well. I think they also, like, it'd be good for them to get some games and sort of see where they actually do sit with all the games being played. Um, mm. But they like they do have an opportunity here to to hurt Man City. It'd be interesting to see how City can deal with Jack Grealish. Like, obviously, City are going to have a lot of ball. Grealish loves to dribble on the counter. Like, there's there's opportunities there for, for Villa, but I just think City are going to be far too good.
0: Yeah, Diaz and uh, Stonesy clean sheet this this game as well. Um, all right, Fulham at home to Manchester United. What are you thinking? Manchester United win here?
1: Yeah, I think Manchester United win here, and I think you will see Bruno Fernandez bounce back from his performance on the weekend, oh, and probably, track bully. yeah, maybe tuck home a pen, get an assist, probably. Um, yeah, like they just it was a very defensive display for Manchester United the weekend. It'll be good to take the shackles off a little bit against Fulham. Uh, Fulham obviously have. A bit of an improvement of late, and they will get lost as cheek back, but they still have only 12 points, and they've copped 25 goals. So I think Manchester United will be pretty comfortable in this one. What do you think?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I think Manchester United do a real number on Fulham here. Um, I think there's a lot of goals in, in this game. And, um, yeah, I think Bruno will um, bully some of these uh, smaller teams. Um, I'm buying into the narrative. <laughs>
1: we can stop that right now. So the other game is Liverpool versus Burnley. Do you think it's going to be a similar theme or will Daishi's boys really turn up and put into display here?
0: No, I so I think it's going to be much tighter than the Fulham-Manchester United game. I think, um, yeah, Liverpool are obviously struggling, struggling to pick up some goals at, at the moment. So, um, I think that will continue. I think this will be tighter, but I think Liverpool will pip it.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see because Brighton... uh, Brighton. Burnley um, have only scored nine goals this year, which is the least in the division. But they are four points above Fulham in the relegation spots. Liverpool are the premier attacking team in the competition with 37 goals. Even as everyone is saying, they've got all these struggles up front. So I think they'll get home fairly comfortably in this one.
0: All right. So that does it for the um, review. And so we are off to transfer corner now.
1: So, it's been the move on everybody's lips. Mesut Ozil has joined Fernabache. Are you
0: excited about this one? I don't know if I'm excited about this one. I think it's good for Mesut that he gets out and and plays some football. Um, As I said, it was a bit unusual that he had all the gear on flying over to do the medical when um, I wouldn't be that confident if I was Mesut. But, yeah, I think Arsenal fans will be happy that he's off the books and I think uh, Fernabache will be happy that they've got a a great player. So, yeah, I think this is a win-win-win for everyone.
1: Yeah, it's good to see him playing again. Um, hopefully, we get some Champions League action next year as well, um, with Fenerbahce being one of the bigger clubs in Turkey. So I think it's great to see him playing football again, and it'd be interesting to see because if they set the team up around him, anything could happen. So the other big move um, that has occurred, and we've seen results from, him, so Luka Jovic. Do you remember Luka Jovic? So, Real Madrid striker, really featured, signed from Eintracht Frankfurt for a big fee, went back to Eintracht Frankfurt on loan, comes on, nine minutes in, bang, first goal, and ends up with a brace off the bench. So, is Real Madrid just a pressure cooker for players they just can't handle and they get away from Real Madrid and they're fine, or is it just Luka Jovic wasn't quite at that level?
0: I just think Jovic wasn't at the level. I think Real Madrid was too big a club for him. Um, and, yeah, I think he's... In that second tier is where he sort of um, belongs more so than like is he a Real Madrid striker? Oh, I just I just don't think so. I think he's just a, a tier below that. So yeah, I think a better move for him. He you're always going to say yes to Real Madrid and um, and go there because they are who they are. But I think he belongs in that yeah sort of second tier.
1: So calling the Bundesliga second tier risky, but we will uh, we'll move on from that. So the, you mentioned earlier, Brighton have confirmed that Tarek Lamptey has signed a new long term contract with the club until June twenty twenty five. Are you happy about this?
0: Yes, I think it's a good move for Brighton. Um, I think it's a good move for Lamptey, but I think I don't see him playing out his four year deal. I think someone will come in in the next couple of years. But all that is is good news for Brighton because he's essentially on a long term deal of four years. Um, they get it, they will get a nice fee for him.
1: Yep. And so next one is David Moyes has been saying that West Ham are actively trying to bring in players but won't sign someone for the sake of it. So they got all that Sebastian Aller money. Where do you think Moyes should spend his cash?
0: Oh, he should definitely spend it up front. But I think the problem is when you sell someone um, uh, like Allaire, then everyone essentially knows exactly how much money you've got in your transfer budget. So yeah. they're in a difficult spot. Um, especially in the January window, obviously there is more value at the end of the year. So I think up top is where they need to spend it, but they need to spend it carefully because they got a couple wrong um, recently, West Ham, which has been rather costly. Uh, what do you think?
1: Um, yeah, so I think I think they need a, a striker, West Ham, as well because you can't rely on Mikel Antonio. But you are right; I think Moisey needs to be very circumspect with his money. It seems to be a hard market. Like this is now we're starting to feel the impacts of COVID nineteen. It's really difficult to sign players because. The transfer fees haven't quite reached that equilibrium because everyone was paying so much before COVID. Um, no one really knows what anyone is worth right now. So I think you could really get done over here in the transfer market. But they do, no. need, to, they do need to reinforce. They've had a strong start, but they need to keep improving.
0: Okay. So former Premier League winner, Danny Drinkwater, um, leaves Chelsea um, for Istanbul. He's gone to Kasim Pasca on loan for the rest of the year. Is this just in time for the Euros? Uh,
1: it is just in time for the Euros. So I think if Danny Drinkwater wants to take a holiday and go to the Euros and watch his friends, this is a good time for him to do that because he oh. needs to make a bit of extra cash. He's nowhere near, he's nowhere near the Euros. It would be good to see Danny just playing football again. What a horrible time he's had since he's gone to Chelsea. Like, we went to Chelsea... Didn't work out. Went to Aston Villa. It was worse. Went to Burnley. Ended up headbutting someone. Like, it's just good to see him out of the limelight and playing football again. What do you think? Yeah. No,
0: I think it's a good move for Danny. I think he's still got some football in him. So, yeah, why not go out and um, try something a bit different? It clearly wasn't working for him in the UK.
1: Yep. So one I didn't put on the list, but it's very important. So Phil Neville has taken the Inter Miami job. I know you were buzzing about this because he has that experience with the English women's team. Um, Some are calling it jobs for the boys, but others are saying this is just what Inter Miami need. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I love it. I think he's perfect for Inter Miami. Um, Just the style of play just really matches up with um, how Inter Miami want to play. Um, And Phil will have a great time out there um, riding d Beck's coattails again.
1: Yeah, no, as you do. And so the last one I want to talk about quickly is Delhi Alley to PSG. What do you think? Will this ha- is it going to happen, or and how good would it be if it did happen, linking up Poch and Ali again?
0: Yeah, I, I think it will happen. I think it'll happen in a loan move, not a permanent move. Um, but it's just it's such a Hollywood move that's really suits Dali Alley. He can work on his TikToks and his um, iconic um, plugs. Yeah he's, um, he's be the so, yeah, he's not making the Yeah, he's not. I can't see how he's going to break into that team, though. Like, I
1: think he's, I think he's really like, such- you know, when someone's like, oh, Dele Alli's like, oh, yeah, I'm really excited, you know, to play with Killian and Neymar and that. And they're just like, oh, yeah, who's this bloke?
0: Yeah. Or he's sitting there at Spurs going, oh, man, I can't get into the Spurs team. Man, this sucks. I really need to play football. I know. I'll go to PSG. <laughs>
1: Problem solved. All right, so um, so that's it for the transfer. There are a couple of other moves, like Xerxes to Everton. A couple of other moves going on, but we have an email this week. So, have you got a chime for that? You've got mail. Yeah, there we go. So you've what, got mail. So Dom has written, in, lads, how's things? The pod's been a great journey so far. Keep it up. It has Good been you, Dom. A great journey, Dom, thanks. Just want to delve into your minds to uncover your opinion on Leicester so far this season. No bias, thanks, Sean. Never. Have they got the goods to take it to the house? What's the key to their incredible recruitment? How many Red Bulls does Jamie Vardy do each morning? Similar to Brett Lee's wheat in a sanitarium campaign. So I think Brett was doing 27 at one point. So well, I'm thoroughly enjoying Roger's bets, might I add, as well. Great work, Roger. Uh, regards, Dom, a devoted listener. PS go the Rangers XX. All right, you've got three questions in there, Sean.
0: There's all to unpack, isn't there?
1: So what do you, what's your opinion on Leicester's season so far? Underachieved, yeah. overachieved, or basically in the middle?
0: I think they've overachieved so far this season, and I think if they finish in the top four, that is an overachievement. The next question there is, do they have the goods to take it to the house? <laughs> I think that means he's trying to say, are they going to win? I don't think that they can win it, but I do know from inside sources that Dom is hoping Leicester do win it, um, and. <laughs> He could be retired if um, Leicester do win this um, Premier League title. Um, the key to their recruitment is a guy called Steve Walsh, um, who sits um, in the back staff, and um, yeah, apparently he does a lot of their scouting and recruiting. I think he got he got, um, got Mares, I think he got Vardy, he got um Chu, and and I'm missing a midfielder as well out of there yeah,
1: Just on this Steve Walsh bloke, because obviously I don't have the details of Leicester City. I think they're a, a, a Mickey Mouse club. But I feel like part of that recruitment is the style of Leicester City hasn't changed dramatically. Like it, it's, it's evolved, but it hasn't changed dramatically over the five, six years since they won the title. Like there seems to be so much joined up thinking in their recruitment. Like they recruit players specifically for a role in that team. And that's why it seems that players come in and just are able to get into the team straight away?
0: Yeah, well, if you look at the old structure of how teams run, the manager used to do everything, right? Pick the team, do the signings um, and and write the philosophy. And so, uh, for those that don't know, th- that all those roles have been broken up in modern football. So, you've got a director of football sort of saying, um, this is how how we want to play. Um, then you might have someone doing the negotiations and, and buying the players. And then you have the manager who just coaches them and puts them on the park. So, yeah, I think... All those roles are broken up and as you say, I think they're all, all those three people talk to each other at Leicester um, and have a clear sort of understanding of, of where they're going and I think the appointment of Brandy, um was a okay appointment and I think he's doing a, a really good job. So, yeah, I think Leicester in the top four would be good and an overachievement this year and to go into the Champions League. What do you think, mate?
1: Yeah, so I think... I think the Leicester season so far has been slightly overachieved. Only slightly, but they're there, thereabouts. Um, What concerns me about Leicester's season is that the last time they won the title, Arsenal and Tottenham ended up falling over each other. Like, they just couldn't get it together long enough. And Leicester just kept winning and kept winning and kept winning. Eventually, they ended up winning the league. This, This... like season right now has a little bit of a flavor about that where like everyone's having a bit of a lull and they're falling over each other. So I don't see any reason why they can't win the title as long as the other teams keep sort of having blips. Really? Consistently, yeah. I, like because Leicester just seem to be sitting there and everyone's forgetting about him, Everyone's talking about Manchester United. Everyone's talking about Liverpool. We're now saying like we're confident saying, oh, City have got it right now. But a couple of months ago, they were terrible. Liverpool have still got two centre-backs out. Manchester United have got some serious deficiencies. Spurs have some serious deficiencies. So, like, everyone else seems to be having, like, ups and downs. which see Leicester have got in there. They've sort of stayed in there. They haven't dropped in and out of the top four. They're always there, they're about So, if the teams keep falling over each other, I don't see why Leicester can't win the title. They should be in the same discussions as... Or at a higher level than Manchester United right now, because they're a better manager and, like, a more a more, uh, like, reasonable system. Like, you know how Leicester are going to play. Leicester know how Leicester are going to play. Um, and there's a lot of joined-up thinking going on there. Um, I think that's key to their incredible recruitment as well is that they haven't... Like, Brendan Rodgers didn't come in and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to change absolutely everything. He slightly refined their style. They're probably more comfortable on the front foot now than they were under Ranieri. But, like, that counter-attack is still so deadly and he knows, like, to recruit to that counter-attack. And then for the Jamie Vardy Red Bulls, Oh, he looks—he like just doesn't look like an athlete. So he must be just living off those energy drinks, because there's nothing of him to like feed all that running.
0: Yeah, he's bone skinny. like you, you oh, he he so, so, if you didn't know he was a footballer, any...
1: you'd think he was like a carny.
0: Yeah, a traveller.
1: Yeah. yeah, he looks—he looks so rough. Like, um, but look, yeah, I think I think that they've had they've overachieved, but they absolutely could go on to win the title if everyone else keeps sort of falling over and their forms just. Like, it's good. I think they have the most points away in the competition. Um, and getting points away is so important to win the title.
0: Yeah, I think one of the differences of Leicester to, let's say, Manchester United where they started slow and then now they're really picking up a head of steam. Similar to Man City, started slow. Now they're picking up a head of steam. Liverpool started um, really well and then now they're fading off. Chelsea started really well and now they're fading off. We spoke about Everton, how they're going hot and cold all the time. Whereas Leicester don't seem to do that. They just seem to plot along at a consistent pace. Like they haven't been really hot and ripping teams apart for sort of a five-game run and then dropping points all of a sudden. They just seem to be plotting along uh, week to week, which is um, pleasing. But yeah, top four, Dom. Good to hear from you, mate. Um, And... Do you want to hit everyone with our details?
1: Yep. So if your email is paper at gmail.com, Facebook, football Played on paper, Insta, football at football on paper, Twitter at footballonpods. Um, don't forget to give us a five star review.
0: Beautiful. All right. We are out. We are overtime again. Um, but yeah, sorry about last week. Mm, our technicians are onto it. So this one should be nice and smooth. See you guys.